Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq el and you can keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And also, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will find us wherever you get yours at. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, and I, I, I might be leaving something else out, but look for us at Radio Islam USA. We are in downtown Chicago. I had to mention that to you. So that rumbling, there it is right there. If you're paying attention, you hear it in the background. That rumbling, that is the elevated train in the downtown loop. So uh, let's give a big round of applause for the elevated trains. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, you are joining us for another edition of Movie Talk. I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Bubba Murray. Good to be here. All right, that's good. I'm catching you on the microphone. Uh, and we also have joining us for the first time for this segment, Sadiq bin Abdullah. Uh, and before we get going, I've got to reverse myself because it would not be movie talk if I did not give my brother Bubba his props. Uh, <laughs> but, Here we go. This is, this, is, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Right. So, you know, it's real once we once oh, we right. actually get into the intro. So those of you who have missed all of the others, matter of fact, this, I think, is like number, I don't want to say like maybe 40 or 45 or something like that. Um, it's all a wonderful blur. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you've missed the, those first those first 40 some odd <laughs> segments, right, and you don't know who Bubba is, let me tell you right now. All right, pay attention. Bubba Murray is an award-winning writer-director hailing from Oak Park, Illinois. His background includes receiving the ABC Writing Fellowship, writing for Desperate Housewives, participating in the NBC Diversity Scene Showcase twice, and being accepted into the Fox Writing Initiative. His short film, Robox, won the best children's film in the 2017 International Black Film Festival, and his 2018 film, Awake, which debuted at the Windy City Film Festival um, and was seen at the Chicago Horror Fest, is also going to be showing pretty soon, right? Yes, uh, you know, quick self-promotion on the weekend <laughs> of the 27th of October. Get your chill on. It will be at the American Horrors Film Festival in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. So if you're local, you can take the Metro on up and then check it out, take a bus. It'll be worth it. Okay. And then some nice thrills and chills for you. All right. Get your horror on. Get your horror on. All right. Now, back to uh, back to our brother, Sadiq bin Abdullah. Salaam alaykum. He is one of the newest voices on the Radio Slime platform. He's a recent grad of U of C, right? U of C. All right. Yeah. Chicago. Not no. UIC. Right. Not UIC. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. People oh. always make that mistake. I'm like, yeah. And you're not going to let him. <laughs> that is University of Chicago, all right, uh, with a master's degree in Middle Eastern Studies. Uh, he shares his insights and commentary on Islam, culture, and history, and he is joining us today. Well, a slight departure from <laughs> from that area. Yeah. Because, no, this is great too. Yeah. So because today we are talking about Joker. Yes. Yes, Joker. Uh, and there's really not much. Well, there were some laughs in there, right? But uh, it's not not intended. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not intended, and no. maybe some. If you saw. If you thought some of those things were funny, you might need to check. Well, I mean, it is about a stand-up comedian. A very bad stand-up comedian. (laughs) Very bad. So, let uh, Bubba, give us the particulars on this movie. Um, uh, Line it up for us. 
Well, this is a retelling of the Joker origin story. And if you're not familiar, Joker from the DC Comics, Batman's arch enemy, the killer clown, Joker. So uh, in this version, it's we're looking at it from the perspective of a failed uh, stand-up comedian. And as he's approaching some of the pressures of that's happening in Gotham at the time, uh, th- this movie touches on social, I mean, uh, income inequality, um, mental health issues, yeah, and time. then just plain old people being kind and courteous or not to each other. Mm-hmm. And so you, you take all this mess and and then you, you throw again this, this slightly... Uh, dysfunctional person into the mix and you've you've got the basis for joker now if you are a fan of some of the noirish or psychological thrillers of the late 70s or a scorsese fan so something like a taxi driver Mm -hmm. uh some 90s or late early 2000s late 90s movies like uh fight club yeah this it's this sort of film it is not a marvel (laughs) cgi uh Superhero flick. No, this is definitely this, very character driven. This is, yeah, character yeah. driven. It is gritty, uh, and and really, it didn't have to be about Joker. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't about the Joker, it's still going to be as impactful because again, it's about the character. It's about the the stressors that are pushing him over the edge to mm-hmm. become this iconic villain that we're used to. Yeah, yeah. or that we're known, known yeah. love. Yeah. What What did you walk away with, um, Sadik? After? Oh man. <laughs> Because you you gave a description which I thought was really you said it was um, I said it was uh, poetically disturbing or uh, disturbingly poetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to cry. I loved it. It was it was it was was beautiful in a very dark way. Yeah. Um, I feel like it was the tale of a broken soul, uh, 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 and and the trauma that comes with marginalization, uh, you know, psychologically, emotionally, physically, Mm -hmm. Um, and the overall ambience and aesthetic was really chilling, and it left you kind of uh, in awe in a way yeah um, but at the same time somewhat inspired and, and and that's open for interpretation and that's all subjective of course um, but the way the, the writing was crafted allowed you to really sympathize or even empathize with you know the uh, the main antagonist or hero depending mm-hmm. on who you ask um, uh, so I, so I thought it was really interesting in that regard um, I know people will compare uh, this Joker, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, with Heath, Le- Heath Ledger's Joker, um, both performances of which were uh, incredibly astonishing. Um, but I feel like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker was more of a in-depth character study, whereas uh, Heath Ledger's Joker was more uh, uh, dynamic and broad and really kind of uh, embodied that kind of you know uh, uh, psychotic character that we all know and well, not love, <laughs> and, let's, and let's not let's not forget about uh, Jack Nicholson, mm. right? Yes, um, and then even further, right? Because I think every we all, to a degree, we sort of feel like time begins when we start paying attention, right? Because mm. if we go back to uh, Joker on on Batman, the on the Adam West Batman, yeah. Joker was played by uh, Cesar Romero, Romero hmm. right? Uh, Catwoman was played by Eartha Kitt, yeah. uh, which is interesting. We had two people of color uh, in those roles, uh, but I digress. Uh, <laughs> um, I was I was going to add to that um, from a filmmaking standpoint, 
and I'd like to hear your take on this, Bubba. Um, how the the I don't know who directed this. Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips, and I don't. Yeah. What else has he directed? Anything that we might re- oh. uh, recognize? Let's see. I was actually just looking this up earlier too. Really? Okay. So why are you looking? <laughs> yeah, I'll, we'll I'll, let's do the. I'll, I'll make this. I'll make this point while you while you're looking. Yeah. I thought that the director did a, did a really good job of straddling the fence. Yeah. As far as the look, and of course I know that's the cinematographer, right? But that's under his direction. Mm. Um, and not being too dark. The movie, it wasn't shot too dark. Mm. And, and and to uh, get an idea of what I'm talking about, did you see Seven? Yes. Okay, Seven. now you remember how Seven was really dark. It yeah, a, yeah, yeah, and had that that um, sep- sepia tone, I yeah, think, to it. Yeah. You know, kind of like um, Batman, uh, I think The Dark Knight came, you know, most of the Dark Knight was in that same kind of mm-hmm. very, very dark. Yeah, dark but this time, one, yeah. even though it was gray, there was still a hint of light to it, and I thought bit. they did a lot. You know, because right. because well, it, it essentially humanizes the Joker in a sense, and I think that's kind of like where the well, light to, aspect to, comes from. But to me, I, I, yeah. uh, I haven't found the, the other movies he directed. We'll get to that. Yeah, but yeah. I still go back to I felt that it was like an homage again as I said before like these these 70s movies now I, and yeah. let me say I like this movie a lot mm-hmm. I didn't love it I yeah. liked it though and I'll say I didn't love it because I didn't think it was particularly original okay. but because it was so much like again it was just like a Scorsese um, love letter mm-hmm. uh, if you've seen again Taxi Driver if you've seen King of Comedy it it was a fine line between an homage and just uh, plagiarizing or something. Really? But, okay. But, but it definitely was, it was a solid, uh, I'd say, presentation. But I think of those colors, the colors that I used, that color palette were sort of like the soft, it was soft with the blues, sort of shady, still mm. looking kind of dirty, hazy. Yeah. That, and it was set in the 80s. Yeah, 81 in particular. So you, it looked dirty, but dirty like smoggy. So yeah. it, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't dark, but mm-hmm. it was a little hazy in a sense and that, with that aesthetic, yeah. which, you, you know, you, you felt like you were going to be watching some sort of, uh, not newsreel, but news clips of, of uh, Reagan or Carter on television or something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Just old video. Uh, old film, you know, and I'm not sure what they shot it on. I know if it, I don't know if they if it was, they, film, if it was film yeah. versus video, but mm-hmm. it definitely had that that grittiness. Now that was that was great for the tone because once you you get those first you know seconds, the opening of the film, you, you get this idea of of the world that you're getting into. It's there is chaos going on, but still. There's some, there, there's a little bit of hope there because you've got these lighter colors. Yeah. But that hope is is also perverted by uh, by the protests that are going on in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I found a few of the movies that Todd Phillips is associated with, whether yeah. it's producer or director, and I'm really surprised here. Yeah, comedy films. 
Yes. <laughs> the Hangover Part Three, Part Two, Due Date, the Original Hangover. Yeah. War Dogs. School for uh, Scoundrels. Yeah. War Dogs. Stars, uh, Starsky and Hutch. Old school. Old school and road trip. Yeah. Mm. So this was a real departure uh, from what he's known for as far as directing. And I would say, and and I guess I look at there's a fine line for what he did between comedy and and. Um, this psychological thriller because again it's 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 all about that get that perversion of thought yeah so the same way you've got the comedians who are telling these jokes with this it's it's this guy who's off kilter so you can you don't have the punchline it's like everything is building up without a punchline mm-hmm. and so i so i feel like this guy is well suited for it mm-hmm. and with Joaquin Phoenix when you're talking about the portrayal of the different jokers, talk about an understated, under um, valued, I think, actor. Well, yeah. if you remember his performance about ten years ago, yeah. when he had claimed he was retiring from acting, and then he would he went all these press junkets, and he had the long beard, and he had the most disturbing interviews. Like, there's one, if you look it up, he's with Letterman, <laughs> yeah. and Letterman was sort of equating this with a famous interview he had with Farrah Fawcett, where she was totally going off the rails. I, I just looked at his interview. It was insane. And when you look at that, then you all of a sudden you see, oh, yeah, this guy is perfect for this. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's gone back in the mainstream a little bit uh, over those few years of people, I think, kind of forgot yeah. how he was perceived at that time. But, I mean, he went and did basically a performance arts piece for a year, uh, you know, telling all of the Hollywood establishment that he's going to pursue a hip-hop rap career. <laughs> Very Andy Kaufman-esque. Yes, yes. So with that, uh, you definitely can see he's, he's a type of, like, um, a method actor. Yeah. So he had that in him already. So I think it was not a departure for him to be playing that version of the Joker that he did. No, 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 not him. I, I mean, I have abs- I was not surprised oh, at no, all no. for him to do it. I was saying more of a departure for oh, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Oh, oh, I know. Oh, I know. Read the genre of films. Oh, I, oh, I know you are, but I just know some people were. I will say they were shocked by his performance, just to say, "Wow, this was amazing." No. Where did it come from? No. And I'm. Did just, you see her? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm just saying. If you if you've seen his work, yeah, it was really an evolution of things he's been doing. So I could, it's definitely uh, yeah. within his wheelhouse. Yeah. Uh, now let's look at some of the themes. Uh, you mentioned some. Actually, actually, you both mentioned some of the themes that were uh, tackled in this film. Uh, and one of them was, I mean, obviously the most glaring one. I think everybody was mental illness, mm-hmm. right? I mean, of course, you had issues of uh, class being brought up, um, but. One of the things that really struck me was, um, and I guess we're giving spoilers. Maybe we should should have said that. Some spoilers. Well, we rights. haven't done any now, so we can just yeah. say it right yeah. now. Here it comes. Spoilers. <laughs> it's going to be like old milk. Spoiler. <laughs> Walk away. So it's gonna one, of the, uh, one of the Some things that, uh, that really just really touched me was uh, there's a scene when he's on the bus. Mm-hmm. Was it on the bus? With the little girl? With the little boy? At the the beginning? No, not that. Okay, it was in his notebook. And it said one of the worst things, I'm paraphrasing, one of the worst things about having mental illness is people expecting you to act like you don't. Like you don't have it. Was that one of the lines that was like high? Because I know there's a few a different jo- scenes. It was one of his jokes. No, no, I know like yes, there's a few a different joke. scenes where they highlighted specific lines in his mm-hmm. notebook. But yeah. or, or was it just like another one of the random like lines that you just noticed in the back? 
Uh, no, I think this one was was highlighted. It, yeah, it was yeah. highlighted, right? Okay. It, was, it was at least it was focused on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It was one of the, one of the jokes, and you okay. start to think like, man. And speaking of jokes, so mental illness and comedy and the director and all of this. I think one of the lines uh, at the very end when he's on, what's the fellow's name, Maury? Uh, uh, yeah, Murray. Uh, Murray. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Robert Murray Franklin Murray. is that what it was? Yeah. I'll agree with you, Murray. Something, something like that, yeah. yeah. But when he tells him basically that comedy was funny is an agreed upon uh, construct. Yeah. It's something, you know, Coping society mechanism, yeah. agrees on what they believe is yeah. funny. So uh, that, that's just something that, you know, it's kind of to think, think about, yeah. you know. He he thought he was funny. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, it's all a matter of perspective, of course. Yeah. You know. But his... Um, Mental illness. So his issue was his laughter all the time was a result of a neurological uh, was damage. You know, he yeah. had brain damage at some point, and we found out why later on. I don't know if either one of you wants to. Uh... Yeah, essentially, he was uh, adopted by a woman who had mental health issues of her own and abused him as a child, essentially. And and uh, later on, the authorities found him and and uh... and allowed him to be abused. Yeah. yeah. Oh. So. And I would just say from the movie-goer right. perspective, I don't know what the specific illness was. Is it a real condition or something like that? But they, that's how they set it up. Right. His trauma brought on this laughter at inappropriate moments, and he had to have the card. Yeah, the little yeah. card to explain. That, that was, that was laminated, that he would present when he would start laughing and couldn't, yeah. couldn't control it. Now, from the... It... It's sometimes hard to separate the storytelling from how accurate do you need to be in some when you're depicting some sort of uh, medical condition. Right. So I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I'm just throwing that out there for us. Or in this universe that they built, that's how it worked. There may be someone out there who might say, "Oh, this is totally wrong. That's not how this sort of affliction will affect you." But that's all. But Right. This is not a documentary. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is right. this is a Gotham fantasy City. film. <laughs> I mean, it's it's fantasy. It's narrative. So in that universe that they built in this Gotham, mm. that's what was wrong with them. Right. And you bought it. Uh, they did a good job of setting that up. Yeah. Okay. So um, here's a little educational moment here for you folks. Uh, we'll save you a few keystrokes. I had to look this up. And this, uh, his condition is actually based on a, a real disorder called the pseudobulbar effect, or PBA. Mm-hmm. Say that again, pseudobulbar effect. And the condition causes bursts of unco- un- uncontrollable laughing or crying and usually manifests in people who have ALS, MS, neurological conditions, or traumatic brain injuries, according to the Mayo Clinic. So mm. good job of keeping mm. it real. Yeah. Yeah, that was heartbreaking to me. I yeah. mean, when I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, "Wow!" And like, and especially like at the beginning of the film, I, I you know the the opening scene was really intriguing to me. You know, uh, it kind of plays off of the idea of like you know the the tragic comedy uh, concept, mm-hmm. right? Where essentially he's sitting in front of his makeup mirror and he's at his job and he's putting on his face paint and all that for his clown costume, and you know he's he's making himself. He's literally he's physically lifting his. His, his, his mouth, you know, in order to make himself smile, and then he's frowning. Right. And then he, as he's holding 
his his mouth wide open as he's trying to make himself smile, you see this teardrop come down his face. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was incredibly compelling, and it spoke yeah. volumes to you know his his mental state, his you know, uh, and his overall uh, uh, I guess demeanor, uh, which really kind of embodies one of the overarching themes of the film in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Talk, let's talk about that. His physical appearance, like as a a metaphor for um, like powerlessness yeah. or marginalization. Um, you know, he was definitely of the, you know, he's a working class guy. Yeah. Um, and not working class in the, I got a nice house and car and I go to work every day, but you know, you saw his apartment. The first thing I thought when I saw it, I was like, I was telling my wife, I said, man, it's amazing what, uh, what, a, what a fresh coat of paint and good lighting will do for a place, you know. And looking yeah. at his, and then looking at him, I felt like they played off of each other. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's interesting. You know, you've got, you've got uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, and, and people were debating. I mean, he was also like emaciated. He was so thin that yeah, yeah. it was yeah. very difficult to look at. It was yeah. disturbing. And, and some people, you know, you, was they were asking, "Is that CGI? Is it real?" Uh, you, you know, I didn't look deep into that enough to see because I mean there are actors who put that sort of uh, Christian uh, bail in the mechanic yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, machinist machinist yes yes but but they put that sort of stress on their body and again he seemed like the type of guy that would do that so you, again you've got this guy he looks beaten and worn down so again it's a metaphor for how he's feels in society you have him as a clown who can't control laughter, so in a sense, it's the only job this character can have, but it also makes him in some ways an, an effective clown. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about how he looks in that scene where he is doing his makeup, he's around a bunch of other guys, working guys, who are other clowns. Yeah. So he looks also, compared to the other clowns, to be the most tragic. Yeah. He... His hat, his hair didn't fit right. You know, his shoes were a little too floppy. He just looked like a really pathetic, sad clown. He wasn't it. I mean, he wasn't scary like it, but no. he was just, he was not the clown you want to come do your kid's party. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> There's that scene later on where he's, where he's performing at the hospital. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah, I mean, e- so even sad. then, I mean, we're laughing about it now, but in the moment, it's like it's like what? Yeah. What's, what are you thinking? But I felt like he was a represent uh, he was a representation of of poor folks mm-hmm. in general. Um, when you think about how many people are dealing with uh, with mental illness, where poverty, um, you know, is, is an issue, and then in the, in the backdrop of this whole story was a garbage strike that was going on. Right, um, and right, and yeah. people in general, and in, in his interactions with his social worker, right, his therapist, how you you saw her trying to console somebody, but then at the same time, she's saying that I'm just a cog in a machine. They don't care anything about people like you, and they don't care yeah. about people like me. And if well, you, it wasn't for the, the the makeup, it really could have been a story. And I think you pointed this out. This movie didn't have to be about Joker as a part of, you know, the Batman story. Uh, this really could have been about any 
person just dealing with yeah. the the tribulations of, of, of life. Well, the theme that I see as we talk about it, like the theme I feel that went through it is this detachment between uh, with relationships. So whether it's this large detachment of one class to another social class or how um, Joker, uh, with the, when he's in the scene with the therapist, he felt detached from her. Mm. And he, he talks about it later, but, I mean, she is doing what she's supposed to do. She's asking the right questions. Are you on your medication? But there's still, it's still detached. It's She's going through the motions because this is her job. Right. Yeah. And, you know, she asks the same questions every day, and he brings that up. So everyone is detached, and all the conflicts come from misunderstanding or detachment or that we didn't know uh we didn't know a truth about one another. So I thought that was an interesting theme that was that they followed through the piece very well. Uh, that, that was one of the strengths of the movie. Mm. Any other things that you picked up, Sadiq? Well, I loved, so the, the there's another scene, more spoilers. Um, <laughs> uh, so after he kills the three uh, guys on the train. Yeah. Uh, he quickly runs to some old beat up, you know, public bathroom, and he closes the door, mm-hmm. and he starts doing this like uh, 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 esoteric, like you know, slow dance. Yeah. And I thought that was that was one of the scenes in the film that really was very compelling. It was very, it kind of it embodied kind of his sense of relief, him coming to terms with himself, um, but it was just very eerie and dark. And again, uh, uh, disturbingly poetic, as I've said before. Um, and then later on, we see him kind of really uh, aggressively embodying all of his frustrations in in the scene with uh, Murray Franklin or whatever his name was. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, even before that, uh, the scene where the little person. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> okay. All right. That All was right. just that was awful. Okay, okay. <laughs> that was as I say, it was perversely funny. That scene where Yeah, it was. A couple of the guys oh mind if God. I talk about it too? Because no, it, it just it cracked me up. I, I was probably the guy in the movie who laughed. You're like, what? <laughs> okay. A couple guys from no. the clown job went to go visit him. Now, again, spoiler, major spoiler. Uh this, okay, this is gonna go back to the the scene that we talked about about the uh, at the hospital. Yeah, Joker was given a gun by one of his uh, and it's the name's Arthur was given a gun by one of his uh, coworkers right. who said Randall Randall because yeah. he had been mugged earlier in in the show. It opens up with him getting mugged, so he's Arthur's carrying this gun around and he has it with him when he has one show at a children's hospital. He's doing his little dance and then he drops the gun. Mm -hmm. Subsequently, he gets fired for that. So a couple guys from work, Randall being one, and um, the little guy, the little guy, uh, he comes and checks on him. And uh, they they check on him to see if he has the gun. And to see how he's doing. And then it turns out that uh, Randall is really there to make sure that Arthur doesn't tell anybody that he gave him the gun. Yeah. So Arthur kind of flips out, shoots Randall, blows his head off. 
So the little guy, he's freaking no, out. No, no, he, he, no, uh, he, he stabs no. him. Oh, stabs that's him. no, that's forget. He, he stabs, yeah. You know, he, oh, that's right. He, <laughs> my bad. You're right. He, that was he, quite vicious. <laughs> he he stabbed him in the head a few times and just stabbed him, killed him. It was brutal. Whatever you can imagine, that's what he did to him. Yeah. Um, and Gary, who was his the little person. The little person. Okay. He was witnessing everything, and he was, and you know, in horror, and he now he's trying to run away. And he runs to the door, but Arthur had locked the door, and the lock was too high. So Gary could not reach the lock. And he's reaching for it, and re- Gary's reaching for it and jumping for it, and then it's just out of frustration, he just stops. And he asks Arthur, you know, he just points to the... Can you let me Can you let me out? And Arthur, you know, he lets him out. He says, you were good to me and everything like that. But, uh, again, it was just so absurd that it was... Hilarious. I, I thought, yeah, it was hilarious. Well, and the fact that he kissed him on top of the head. Yeah. yeah. Right. But I thought that was a perfect representation of one of the other, you know, uh, themes that went throughout the uh, film. And that was power and, and powerlessness. Mm-hmm. And that uh, whether it was a social worker and w- or whether it was Arthur himself uh, mm-hmm. feeling a sense, of, you know, a lack of agency. And then also kind of shining a light on even in the so-called lower class, you know, of, of working people, of poor people, that there's still a stratification yeah. within that. And then the the humil not the humil the humiliation that comes with having to laugh at um, laugh at your own torment mm-hmm. and, and then also having to ask your your captor in the in Gary's case you know, to release you for yeah. help. It was like, and you, you see know, his, man. you see uh, Arthur's warped morality. Yeah, because he he said you were. This is Arthur talking to Gary. He's like you were always nice to me, and he lets him go. You know, he kisses him on the head. Do you think that was warped? Yes, because he did it right after he stabbed someone else in the head. Randall had it coming. No, but he did. But that's what I'm saying. But that's the whole point. Randall had it coming. Randall was a jerk. Randall set him up. So Arthur took it to the next level of, of. It, of, it wasn't equal to what had been done to him. Right. I want to be clear no, about that. No, it, was it, was very, much, saying, it was very much disproportionate. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying but, that he should have stabbed yeah. him. Uh, but his point was, you know, you are a bad person. Right. So you'll, you'll get the my full wrath. And so he destroyed him. Uh, Gary, who had shown him some empathy before, mm-hmm. Arthur is now returning. Right, it's in kind to say he was on his You're good a side. good person. Well, you know, he's he was almost surprised, at least the way uh, Joaquin Phoenix played it, that Gary would even think that he would be in trouble, because right. Gary, he said, "Oh no, no, I wouldn't hurt you. Go on, go on. You're all right. You're my buddy." Yeah. I mean, he and he was kind and he was gentle with him. And almost laughing because it was preposterous yeah. to Arthur's character that Gary would think that he was in any sort of danger. Well, okay, now juxtapose Randall's treatment of Arthur, right? Him giving him this gun and then dropping a dime on him, yeah. telling him, realizing that this is going to put Arthur in a bad spot. Now juxtapose that with the scene on the train. Where these three guys, you got different class levels. You got one guy, we're both in the same, we're both working stiffs, right? And on the train, we got three of Gotham's brightest, these three rich guys. And they are, 
beating the crap out of Arthur. And looks like they're not going to stop. Like, they look like they're going to beat him to death. Yeah. So, it, it, I think it, we're looking at the same thing. One is the quick way and one is the, is, is the, the slower. But I think, I think we're talking about stages. Yeah. So by the time Arthur murders um, Randall, right. I mean, that's brutal. It's hand-to-hand with the knife. I mean, and, I, and I'm making a distinction between that and when he shot these three guys on the mm. train. And the thing was, that happened after these three guys were assaulting a woman. Mm-hmm. So he, this is Arthur witnessed them assaulting a woman. So we all know these three guys are bad people. In, in, his, in his mind, how he has the levels, like they are bad. They assaulted an innocent woman. His tick was triggered. He started laughing. So now these guys, you know, they bring their attention to Arthur. Arthur accepts their attention because he knew he actually was going to help this lady get away. Now, of course, the lady still thinks he's weird, so she runs out, but he's left by himself. And then these three guys, Gotham's, as you said, um, young, best and brightest. And he reached for his card, but right. he had yeah, not been given yeah. it back. Yeah. They took his card. They knew what was wrong with him, and then they... Pers- no. No, they took the card. No, I thought he was reaching for the card and didn't have it because the lady, and that scene earlier with the, the kid on the bus, oh, he gave it. her the card. And she never returned That's it. That's true. Hmm. So he was reaching for it. Maybe he has multiple. And he just hands them out whenever. Or it might be. A, I, no, I, I think. Not, not, I not, to, not, not, now I'm just speculating. This is just speculation. I, had to, re- I, just, I yeah. had to remember because I, yeah. I thought they had it. But, I, but the, main, the point was that they knew there was something wrong with him. And they yeah. were still going. They proceeded to try and beat him up. And then Arthur, he flipped. He yeah. turned and then got the gun. And then it just builds and builds and builds to become to where the Joker takes over. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I think you saw it in stages as he, as he created each, each event and then he realizes the truth about himself and the truth about who he was or was not talking to during this whole time. Yeah. Now, okay, now I was going to... We, we got to bring that in. Go oh, ahead. I was, I was going <laughs> <laughs> to actually mention this um, very briefly. Uh, a friend of mine and I were talking about this and um, what I noticed was Towards the beginning of the film, there's a very quick little snippet, a, a quick clip of him uh, in the insane asylum, and he's banging his head up against the the door, the wall, or the glass, or whatever. Yeah. And then at the very end of the film, we see him again in the insane asylum, and in in the same out white outfit with the same white walls and everything. So, is it possible? And again, I'm I'm not saying this definitively. This is more I'm posing a question here. Is it possible that everything in between was simply a a, a, a product of his? Imagination. I would say no, because uh, of those moments where we got to go back. And I, I'm going to say this: I had a pretty good feeling. I knew that the the, the lady that he was talking to, uh, his neighbor, I knew that wasn't happening. Yeah, that, that I knew it wasn't happening. Too good right? to be true. So for the director <laughs> to show us to kind of pull the the, the the cover back off of that yeah. and expose that as being all in his head, um, I think. Following that logic, had it been something that was all that was all in his head, then yeah. it would have had to have been something to to show right. that. 
Well, sure. he set it up when he went to see the doctor, and then the doctor said, we can't give you the medication. So we know he'd been off his medication. Right. And so, right. which led to the hallucinations. This is why, when I, when, I was taught, when I was doing our personal disclaimer about how did they portray it, right. I don't know if, hallucinate, if hallucinations and um, paranoia or schizophrenia and all these things are symptoms or, or part of... His condition. The condition, yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that's all accurate, because he had a lot going on. Yeah, it wasn't just the laugh. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I really think you know they set it up there to let you know he was off the medication, and then and then you realize all of his interactions, his positive interactions, mm-hmm. were all fake. And so when I threw out movies that it reminded me of, this to me was the was the Fight Club reference. You know, this is everybody was Tyler Durden. Yeah. And if yeah. you haven't seen Fight Club, check it out. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't, then I, I just I would like to look at you with a very a very stern and disapproving uh, glance. Um, okay, it's over one. now. Yeah. But but just to say, the, this is where I feel like they 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 pulled some things out there and then recycled them. Yeah, did a good job with it. But I I don't think it was so much about this this movie being original as it was to. Uh, have people empathize mm. with the plight of, of of mental illness to be aware of I, I think to have a greater awareness of class and how it impacts uh, society because at the very end what we saw was hopeless not just hopeless but frustrated and angry people ready to burn down the city mm. um, and it makes me think about one of the things that uh, Arthur said, well, he said, I think he said it as a joker. He's, talk, he's like, where, where did civility go? Where did niceness and where did, you know, where did just basic yeah. human decency go? And it made me think about the saying says that um, a child who does not feel, what is it, a child who does not feel the love of the village will burn it down to, 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 to feel its warmth, mm. right? And, and I, I felt like we saw so many uh, examples of disconnected people and people who just felt like everybody, the weight of the world was on them, yeah. you know, and uh, so I felt, I think that was what the movie was about more so than anything like they took elements from other movies, but it was really about to, it was about making people feel something Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess I I believe the mental illness aspect was more of a vehicle where the main message would have been the social uh the the social inequity just because I, I, I agree yeah. because of the big the big points when you've got the attack on Bruce Wayne I mean on Thomas Wayne mm-hmm. and other moments that affected where other people were inspired by the Joker these this is what takes over the film mm-hmm. the mental illness aspect I mean it, it obviously it's very important right. but that's not what pushes the societal part. It's it's how people were desperate. Oh, and just just one other thing that I did find interesting about the movie mm-hmm. is that how they did a good job of breaking into your personal space, and they only did it a couple times, but I found it very effective. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning, or it was mentioned about how he had physically, uh, how Arthur physically pulled his mouth up and down to smile. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he did that another time when he physically uh, pulled up uh, Bruce Wayne's yeah. face. And that was really yeah. disturbing because you had a grown man. He, he does it again. Sticking his 
yeah. fingers into this little boy's mouth and pulling it up and down. Yeah. That, and, and how slow is Bruce? I mean, I know he's a kid, <laughs> yeah, but he's, yeah. still, he like, yeah. you know. So that was the one part, that, that's like the one part I didn't buy. This kid yeah. stood there at a gate and, and left some man. strange, weird old magician. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the wand. <laughs> stick his fingers <laughs> in his mouth and go up and down and up and down. And then, like, now, I would have freaked out or I would have run away. He didn't say a word. Yeah, he kind of just Not stood there. Not a word and, was... and just watched. But you know what? That I think also was one of those, um, a representation of the sheltered life that the rich or we perceive the rich right. to live right. where they don't have Perhaps, street smarts maybe, maybe. you yeah. know or no. or maybe the kid was maybe yeah. he was a little developmentally disabled <laughs> right. no that's the one where it's just that was the one really forced moment for you me. let him put your put his hands in your mouth <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the matter with you I no mean, no but that, but alfred that, but that, was alfred should have been watching him the, the kid oh is just sitting there at nope. the gate doing nothing playing the flowers walks up that was crazy ridiculous. Yeah. And Alfred's terrible, terrible help because he should have yeah. come up there and been like, hey, did I just see your hands in his mouth? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like he was just called touching one one right he away. He had a conversation <laughs> with him. Yeah. So Alfred should have been fired. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, no, but then the Joker, but then in, in the end, he, you know, this time he has blood in his mouth and he's standing on top of the car. Yeah. And, then, and then he not only extends his mouth and lifts his face, but then he extends with the blood over his cheeks, you know, kind of signifying that, that iconic Joker look. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think a lot of this really? kind of comes back yeah. to the, you laugh to keep from crying? Um, well, it's really interesting. So obviously smiling was one of the, also another major theme of the film. And as he's, when the day he gets fired and he's cleaning up his locker, he's leaving the place and there's that sign yeah. up top that says, don't forget to smile. And then he scribbles out the, uh, uh, forget, uh, forgive, for, forget. Yeah, uh, and then it just says, "Don't smile." Yeah, <laughs> so it's like you have two two opposite uh, components kind of playing off of one another. Yeah, he 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 had a he had it kind of rough. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Well, it makes me think of his last line. What's that? You wouldn't get it. What? Mm. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. When yeah. he says that, when yeah. Going back to the, the perception of who has the power, who should be in power, the different classes, and at that end. This is why I thought the mental illness also was more of a vehicle mm -hmm. than they were trying to bring light to it. Because, unless I'm remembering it wrong, I thought they had the little slow motion Benny Hill chase scene in the back. Yep. Uh, going back and forth and... Was that, was that Benny Hill or Charlie Chaplin? Or? Well, I always think of Benny Hill when you've got one of these chase scenes of people just going back and forth yeah, yeah. across the screen. I mean, it yeah. could be Charlie Chaplin. It could be yeah. any 70s Disney movie. Mm -hmm. But I'd, I'd just go to Benny Hill. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, it would, that was some of the humor. The sick humor where this guy is running back and forth. He just, I assume he had just killed his... Therapist, because he had walked down the hall with bloody oh, foots, okay. footsteps. All right, yeah. all right, all right. I I'm uh, with you now. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is when he was at the very, yeah, very right, end. Right, he's yeah, captured. Right. He's in Arkham. And, and his run, he, he, he had a, an exaggerated run. Yeah. It was knees to chest and flat-footed. Yeah. Like, you know, like, no, not on the balls of his feet. Yeah. Uh, very, very clown-like, yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. Throughout yeah. the whole movie, I mean, even yeah. in regular shoes, like this guy. Ran. I, th I think actually Todd Phillips even spoke about this, and he said when he was doing 
when he was filming the scenes with uh, Joaquin Phoenix's stunt double, yeah, uh, he couldn't replace Joaquin Phoenix with the stunt double in those running scenes because the way Joaquin did it was just so unique. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so whereas whereas the stunt double did pretty much everything else, but I thought that was really unique. It was really really interesting yeah. the way in which he kind of embodied not just like the Joker like psychologically, but also even like physically, just in the way his whole deme- demeanor was uh, presented. Yeah, he was fully in it. Fully immersed. All right, so it's time. Um, you'd recommend folks to see it? Yeah, definitely. I would. I definitely would. It's four bean pies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have pulled out the bean pie rating in the wild. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going to also give it four bean pies. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you both, uh, Bubba, Sadiq. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> All right, Reader Slime family, we hope you've enjoyed uh, the discussion. If there's a particular movie that you'd like for us to see, uh, feel free to send us free tickets, and we will be happy to attend it and to review it for you. Uh, and don't forget uh, money for popcorn. Yes, oh, and, yeah. yes, that's right. Yeah, we don't just want to sit there and watch uh, dry mouths. <laughs> So, uh, all right, don't forget to follow us on social media at Radio Islam. Subscribe to the podcast and uh, rate, review, and share. All right, I'm your host, producer Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.